Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Lesbian Ship is Intense. I'm V. And today, you may notice that we are starting the episode a little bit differently, um, a lot differently for me, at least. And that is because today we don't have Katie, but we do have a special guest who goes by Havoc. Hello, everyone. So Havoc is a longtime friend. I've known her for years and years and years. And so Katie wants to watch Gap. She does, but she hasn't been able to yet. And in an effort for us to be a little bit more timely with when we have podcasts, um, uh, we decided that I would go ahead and do this with Havoc, who we thought would actually have a really great uh, contribution. Um, oh, I might put you out. Um, I know you don't like to be too soft, but I'm going to say this, which is, I remember when you watched this, you said, this is the Asian representation I didn't know I needed. And <laughs> I can't believe you're calling me out within the first minute of this. Um, two minutes, please. <laughs> the point is, I'm here to be your resident neighborhood Asian voice. Thank you for that. I think that we should start out with how did we get uh, introduced to Gap? And I've kind of talked about this a little bit, but for anyone who's new listening, uh, because this is an actual episode about Gap. So I get introduced to like everything by my timeline on Twitter. And so typically when I see certain things over and over again, I kind of get like annoyed and I'm like, oh, I need to know what this is. And that's essentially what happened with this is I kept seeing Freen Beck, Freen Beck, Freen Becky. And I'm like, who the fuck are they? And then I started seeing Freen Beck and Mon Sam and I was like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. And it caused me to like look a little bit deeper and then I found out that there was this show that was being filmed or wasn't even being filmed at the time which is like being talked about so I think I was I think I've been waiting for at least a year for the show to drop and um yeah I started watching it as soon as it came out how about you um I heard about the show from a friend and honestly at the time I didn't really take it seriously because I just didn't believe that an Asian television show would really be, you know, I thought it would be like an entire season of Lawing Glances, maybe like hands touch at some point in episode 10. And then by the finale, like, you know, they say they're really close friends or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just didn't really give it a lot of thought. Did you watch Nevertheless? I did watch Nevertheless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you basing it off so, of that? Yeah. I was basically expecting it to be something like that. Yeah. I mean, like the story in, Never in Nevertheless was pretty cute. I'll give you that. But like, it's certainly not mm, what I have come to expect from a WLW show. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, but I still decided to give it a chance and watch it anyway. And I got really into it. I don't I don't know what my expectations were. I don't really think that I had expectations. Um, actually, I think that's how I go into a lot of sapphic shows is I'm just like, I'm here to see whatever gay I get. And if it's good, great. And if it's not, I've watched worse. So it's not going to be the worst thing in the world. So yeah, I went ahead and I watched it. And I mean, we'll obviously get into this as we continue to review the episodes. But when I first started watching it, my concept of it was like, oh, this is a very soapy type of show. And like, it's very dramatic. It's very silly. And I will say it has a lot of those elements that kind of carry through. But I was amazed at the more significant meanings. And the like you said, like, there's this expectation for certain shows that the amount of affection we're going to see is going to be a handhold. You know, it's not going to be anything too significant. But this like really blew me the fuck away uh, with how gay it was and i loved it yeah i mean 
episode one, which we're talking about today, definitely has a lot of that soap opera-y tropes, I guess, if you will. But that's just to set up the story. And like after that, it actually gets into the love story between these two characters. And it is surprisingly like in-depth for how it starts. Yeah. And I will be interested to hear your feedback because we've talked a bit about the show and I think that you started taking it more seriously much quicker than I did. All right. So let's get into the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So anyone who's a longtime listener <laughs> is, like, is not going to get the Katie treatment. So normally Katie is like the episode title, the director, the producer, like she knows all that shit. Idol Factory. That's all I got. <laughs> is Gap the series episode one? Idol Factory. Go to YouTube. Um, uh, do you do you know people? <laughs> Gap the series is a Thai GL series produced by Idol Factory, starring Freen Sarosha Chan Kimha and Becky Rebecca Armstrong. And you can find their um, all the episodes on YouTube on the channel Idol Factory. Am I just so very, very V that I just have like Katie types in my life? Like, are you, do I have a pattern with who I associate with? I think we just know what to expect. You're very, um, <laughs> it's comforting how predictable you are. <laughs> okay. All right. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just like, you're going to fucking take over the direction of this. <laughs> I, I was about to say, I do want to set it up a little bit more. Um, so actually, this is the first ever GL series in Thailand. So GL stands for Girls Love. Um, prior to this, um, Thailand has a pretty established BL industry, so Boys Love, um, but they've never done a GL version. Um, there have been side couples that are like supporting characters in a BL series, but uh, like this is really the first one. And when you think about it, it's pretty incredible in the year 2022. I really should have thought that about that a little bit more because, um, again, started watching Bad Buddy, I think is what it's called, because it was on my timeline a shit ton. And it was on my timeline a shit ton because of Inkpa. And so I started watching it for them, not realizing it was a BL. And then they were a side relationship, which were cute. And I enjoyed it. Um, but I think that that was kind of my introduction and um, to the fact that BLs were pretty popular, but not GLs. And so when I found out that this was the first, I, it kind of blew my mind. I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. Um, they've done GL movies, but again, the last really big Thai GL movie was like 2013, I want to say. It was a while ago. It's really interesting because I felt like there was nothing in the way of GLs, um, which I think is true to fact it's not just how I felt. And now I feel like there are so many that like I'm preparing to to come out. It's the same old story, you know, like nobody believes that a love story between two women can be profitable. Believe Last Count is like seven coming out this year or it being filmed this year, which is incredible. Wow, that is more than I'm aware of. Like, I think I'm probably aware of like three more. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, anything else you'd like to say before we get into the actual episode? I guess it'd be good to know that it's an adaptation off of a novel oh, called Gap Yuri. Um, the author's name is Chow Planoy. You you read the the series, right? Like the actual book? I did, yeah. Okay. I did not because I struggle when there is any amount of research that goes into 
consuming something, I quit really easily. So I was like, ooh, a book. And then I looked it up and I couldn't find it quickly and I just was done. <laughs> I don't feel like it's that hard to find. I quit really fast. Oh my god, my fucking this said reducing noise because of my laughter. <laughs> um, Now that you've reminded me that there should be some setup before we start um, actually reviewing and rehabbing an episode. Right, right. Um, <laughs> it occurs to me that perhaps not everyone who's coming into this has actually watched Gap yet. Uh, maybe they want to know what it's about to some degree. And um, now Havoc. Based upon your contributions thus far, is it safe to say that maybe you have a little synopsis? I do have a little synopsis, and I would <laughs> love to read it for everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. So Kunsam has been Mon's motivation and inspiration, her idol since childhood. After years of hard work, Mon finally joins Kunsam's company as an intern. But the woman that Mon meets on her first day at work is nothing like how she remembers. Okay, now we'll actually get into the episode. Our first scene, so we start out with a, um, like a city, like a, a, a bird's eye, not a bird's eye view, but like a city view. And then it goes into Mon's bedroom, and she is just waking up, and there is her narration, and she's talking about love, and talking about this type of love that's like significant, um... I didn't write down specifically what she said beyond this idea of like a love that heals our sorrows. Um, she says, have you ever been crazy in love with someone who can make us happy, heal us when we're down, make us smile again when we're in sorrow? And she's describing that as um, part of being a fan of an idol. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did think that was really interesting because as she's so she's like saying these things and I'm like, yeah, I know what that love feels like. That's a really great kind of love that makes you happy. And when you're feeling down, it makes you you feel better. And then she she like ends that narration with like, and that's like what this love is like for an idol. And then proceeds to kiss or she kisses her fingers and then presses her fingers against a photo of Kunsam. Um, <laughs> and like, not just like, girly pressed her fingers like, on Kunsam's lips. Like, I just need to point that part out. Yeah, she's acting like <laughs> she feels a little bit more for her idol than maybe she realizes. I know. It's really funny rewatching because I'm just like, girl, you really didn't realize these were gay feelings? Did you see what you were doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. I do want to talk a little about the um, the visual imagery. So, like, um, we have her waking up and it's just like a really bright bedroom um, as she, you know, gets out of what I assume is the restroom. She's wearing like a pink towel and then she's getting dressed and like she puts on like this like very like bright pink uh, lip. She's wearing these pink socks. There's just as there throughout the series, we'll continue to see that pink is very associated with Mon. Yeah. And even the way that she's being lit, like the sun shining in through the window, it's very like bright yellow light um i think it really describes mon's personality without us really having to speak words to it like she is that kind of like bright sunny bubbly pink pastelly girly you know that kind of person mm -hmm. yeah and that reminded me she put on that like little necklace that was almost like a choker and it was like a smiley face and it's just it just feels so mon 
So she finishes getting herself ready and she, you know, goes downstairs all happily like. And in the living room are her parents, her two friends, um, Yuki and Nope. And, oh, I had a question about this. So Mm -hmm. when, because like her friends and her parents are interacting and they're holding the dog, which by the way is Becky's real dog, Bon Bon. I like love Bon Bon. Bon Bon is my favorite in the credit scene in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Bon Bon's adorable. Bon Bon's so cute. Um, So they're talking and the caption said, this person and then blah 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 and i was wondering do you know if in thai um there are like gender neutral words you know how like in mandarin like ta is like male or female but depending on how it's written would dictate if it's female or male um i would say that most things are gender neutral but you can specify a gender if you want to All right. So, yeah, they're with the family and uh, apparently Yuki and Mon are getting ready to go to an event that they call like an an idol event. I think it's probably like a fan meet like they the idols sing a couple of songs. They meet the fans. They give out presents or they sign posters and stuff like that. Okay, I was just curious, like is like Beyonce level or is it like. (laughs) Um, No, all up. I mean, like I. I will out myself, I guess, as a Frame Becky fan. And like they have done <laughs> events like that where they like go to the mall and sing in the middle of the mall. You know what I mean? Like this is you just a thing that they do. <laughs> you can't say that and not make me think about Robin from Him Yim and just be like, let's go to the mall <laughs> today. All right. So they've made their way to this event. When we see the stage, there are these three women with these black outfits dancing, and in the center is Kunsam. And when I was originally watching this, I really fucking thought that they went to go see Kunsam. And I was like, wait, her idol is like an idol? Like, she's a singer? And like, (laughs) go ahead. I guess you're spoiling it for everyone that it's actually, you know? Um, (laughs) I I thought it was really cool how they filmed it because... The world around Mon kind of blurs. The sound is muted. All the focus is on Kunsam. And Mon gets invited on stage to do this little dance with her. And the camera starts swaying sideways, like as if you're on a boat. And I felt that was so interesting because it's starting to, like, it's making the audience realize that maybe all is, like, not as it seems Mm -hmm. because of this topsy-turvy kind of feeling that the camera gives you. Oh, I did not notice, (laughs) surprise, surprise, (laughs) that little topsy-turvy feeling. I do remember thinking that it was silly of me not to realize that it wasn't actually Sam who was the idol because all of the little flyers that they have um, are of the men. Um, Oh, okay. I didn't notice that. I don't pay attention to the men. I'm sorry. (laughs) So Mon gets asked to like, you know, join and like, okay, I have to laugh though because their little dance like my fucking note is like their little bridgerton ass dance like hand to hand (laughs) what do you mean isn't it like extremely professional and amazing dancing oh that's like basically what happened at the super bowl like that's how they dance did you watch (laughs) yeah it's just incredible like i couldn't believe my eyes (laughs) okay so she's like gets pulled up by sam They're doing their little Bridgerton dance, and then suddenly she's, like, enveloped in her arms, and, like, Sam puts Mon's hand at her neck, and they're getting really close, and Mon's eyes are closed. 
Yeah, she's always like very ready to be kissed. Like, right? Like she, she I don't I at this point honestly don't think she realizes like that she is in love with her idol. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you you don't just close your eyes ready for a kiss like when when you just admire somebody. Like <laughs> Yeah. So this is where I'm like again I'm just like girly are you serious you did not realize like you are trying to make out with her in any possible way (laughs) i'm gonna say this a lot they're innocent they're so innocent (laughs) (laughs) and so okay i'm really curious to see though because we do see multiple times in which she's effectively daydreaming about kissing sam and her eyes are closed i'll be really interested to see if over the course of the series if there are daydreams and that shifts to her eyes being open or if the daydreams just go to, away altogether. Like I can't super remember, but I just, I kind of wonder if there's anything significant or intentional about her eyes being closed. You know, this idea of like deep down, we can have these desires that exist and, and in some way be aware of them, but we also very much deny their existence and kind of like shut our eyes to them, but they don't mm. cease to exist. So I wonder if there's something intentional about the fact that like she is pursuing this feeling she's in this moment but her eyes are closed to it i, I just wonder if interesting that's yeah yeah i did want to say that um during this moment i thought it was also really interesting how um the music kind of dims all you hear sort of the heartbeat palpitation and that's a callback to the book um palpitation palpitation is like kind of a transitionary thing and it'll come up throughout the series as well. So Mon finally opens her damn eyes and sees the reality of the situation, which is that she is sandwiched between two men. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what is this? <laughs> She's like, this was not the daydream I ordered. Um, <laughs> Bring me Kunsan back. Yeah. And she's like, and they're like, you're so lucky. You won. And she's like, mm, am I though? And so then I guess she won like a photo with them or something. And then they like, they like get her off the stage and then they start singing. Okay. So they get back home and Yuki is like all jealous about the fact that she didn't get to get this photograph. And Mon is just like, why don't you Photoshop yourself over me? Like, and Yuki's right. She just couldn't like, care less. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, take the glory, take the honor. We can pretend I wasn't there. I really don't give a shit. She's probably going to take her photo and, like, put, she's going to fucking cut out, like, little Sam photos from her magazines and, like, glue yeah. them for both men. Like, look, we're in a photo together. <laughs> oh, my God. She's going to be in a, in a Sam sandwich. Oh, a Samich. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I make myself giggle. <laughs> Anyways, so... Yeah, she's very much like, phot- like Photoshop it, put yourself on it, I don't give a shit. And Yuki's just like, ah, you know, like, y- y- you bitch, but in a very, like, friendly, innocent way. <laughs> and attacks her with a pillow. Oh, and then she accidentally knocks over the box with, like, all of, like, the Sam photos. And <laughs> Mon is like, no. You dropped Kunsam. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And Yuki's like, girl, they're fucking photographs. Like, she's fine. It's okay. <laughs> and um i think that this is like where yeah this is where they end up doing like the flashback and we get to see like the significance of um sam to mon and so basically 
little baby Mon was walking after school in the parking lot and she saw this cute dog go and she went to go pet him, but she wasn't paying attention to her surroundings and a vehicle was reversing and was probably going to hit her. But Sam noticed. And Sam is, what's that age difference supposed to be? Like eight years? So Mon was nine or 10 years old. She was in fourth grade at the time. Um, and Kunsam was probably 17, like maybe a senior in high school. I do not so, agree with those ages at all. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're eight years apart. So, okay. Like, so yeah. So it's like nine or 10 versus 17, 18. I feel like that little girl looked like she was like six or seven. <laughs> do the I not actor, know? The, no, the actor is young for sure, but they... Uh, oh, okay well they they cast ages yeah because <laughs> i was like that little girl not she is not that age um all right <laughs> anyways so sam ends up like you know kind of banging on the on the vehicle and it's like hey there's a kid out here don't run her over and so then um yeah so she saves her and now mom is just like oh my savior <laughs> my, my angel who's beautiful i love you oh okay so let me go into it with a little bit more detail <laughs> so this is like the 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 meeting right like she is the got stars in her eyes kunsam saves her and she's got this cute little dog which ends up being kunsam's dog that she brought to school because she couldn't keep it at home um and so mon's mother who's the teacher at the school that kunsam attends basically agrees to take the dog in so I guess this is a good point for me to sort of talk about Kunsam's title. Oh my God, literally thinking the same thing. I was like, oh shit, we didn't talk about that. So please, yes. Kunsam's is descended from royalty. She's the great, great grandchild of the sovereign of Thailand. So she's the last like generation to hold a title, um, which is Mom Liang, Mom Wong, I think. Um, but informally, she goes by Kunsam, like Kun. And then her name's Han. So even though she's a kid at this point, she's like six, 17 years old, the teacher um, still pays her that respect because she's part of the royal family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I thought it was interesting when I heard her call her Kunsam. And then I was like, well, you know, like, I think that's just how it goes. Like when you're royalty, like you get called your your title no matter what your age yeah. is. Yeah. So she gets called Kun and she gets called Mom Long. It's interchangeable depending on the speaker. Okay. So, yes, the family ends up taking in the dog for Sam because we learned that she's not allowed to have it. So, little Mon promises Kunsam that she'll take good care of the dog. Um, and Kunsam smiles at Mon, pats her head, and does this cute little scrunchy nose smile. And this moment is like the defining moment for Mon. And her motivation and inspiration for the next 13 years of her life is all because of this one moment. Because Kunsam smiled at her and was kind and sweet to her, she decided to devote her <laughs> the rest of her education to um, follow Kunsam in her footsteps, essentially. I'm sorry, and I just want to be a bitch and be like, was no one ever nice to this child? Like, why did this have such an impact? <laughs> you know, I feel like this is also her, like, 
gay origin story. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's like, who's this older person? Let's be honest. What fourth grader is really going to, like, go to this these lengths to to follow somebody because, like, you helped her take care of her dog? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I would agree with you. I think that this this is I mean, God, sometimes when I look back in my life, I'd like I realize I'm like, shit, I had a fucking crush when I was in kindergarten. I didn't even fucking realize that's what it was. Yeah, I think this is a, actually a really relatable like first s- story, I guess, like because I also I still remember going to school. I think I was in first grade and got my days mixed up. I wasn't supposed to have class that day. So they put me in a third grade classroom. And I, I remember still to this day that there was a, a girl there, an older girl there that like stayed with me all day and like showed me around. It was nice to me. Like I still, I mean, I was just making fun of Mon, but I have, I have the same story. Like <laughs> I was literally gonna say, like, do you, have you looked that? Who have you looked that girl up? No, have you I don't remember her, her name. I was, I was too young. Like all I'm saying is that feeling is probably what a lot of us can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I would agree with you. I think that there was like that feeling of like affection um, for Sam because like little Mon literally says like, I don't like to see her sad. Can we take care of this dog? (laughs) (laughs) For a little precious baby. Um, I know. So we get back to, you know, present day and... Um, I think at that point, like, Mon talks a little bit more about, like, how she has followed in her footsteps, you know? She paid attention to, you know, where she went to school, what she studied, her profession, and things of that nature, which I do know that some people were just like, that's kind of creepy. But if you stop and you think about it and remember that she is technically royalty, like, is it that far-fetched for someone to keep track of the accomplishments of someone in the royal family? to keep track of the accomplishments of a celebrity. Like people have idols that they aspire to be like because they see them excelling in the fields that they care about. So you know what? A little stalkery, but not that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's true. She Kunsam is a public figure. And so it's like we pay attention to Prince George. <laughs> I was like, the little buddy. Those three cho- those three children over there in in whatever (laughs) like it's like we know a little bit about their lives you know it's kind of the same thing like Mon's not literally stalking she's just following the magazine interviews or whatever's um and I did want to say that this kind of dedication towards a goal like that is a common trope used in like manga or anime Mm -hmm. so it's it's not it's not far-fetched it's pretty acceptable like if you're a fan of other Asian media okay I don't know that you all know this, but like, would you say that that is based in reality in um, like being representative of the community that it comes from? I don't know for sure, but I have to imagine so. Okay. All right. This is the point in which I believe that Mon is talking about how she's going to go into like her internship and is like, you know, kind of like, oh, I'm going to see Sam again. And Yuki's like, let's role play it out. (laughs) (laughs) So this is um, the third, if we're all keeping track, it's the third daydream that Mon's had this night. I know. Is this, like still, this is also part one of the episode, which means it's like only 50, it's like not even 15 minutes in that she's had another fucking daydream about this bitch. And 
<laughs> and so like, of course, in that daydream again, it's like they are getting real close to each other. Sam is like, let me see your beautiful face. And then I think she feels like Yuki like pinching her cheeks. She closes her eyes again immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, Ma- Kunsam touches her cheek and Mon's eyes are already closed. Like, I don't know what she thinks, like, her first day of work is going to look like. But let me tell you, I have never, ever <laughs> been on the verge of being kissed <laughs> at my job. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope not. I'd be, I'd be real concerned. I mean, well, unless you're working with Sam, because then I'd be like, hey. <laughs> All right. So, um. Yeah, so 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 Yuki's like pinching her cheeks and then says something about like, oh, let me kiss your cheek. And Mon's like, no, Kunsam is, you know, you know, basically like a respectable lady. She's not a the caption said naughty pervert, uh, like yeah. you. And then um I don't know. Which like- I just find hilarious. <laughs> and also the look like when Yuki tries to to kiss Mon's cheek, the look of disgust on Mon's face was hilarious to me. Like, she was ready for anything that Kunsan might want to do to her. She didn't care. But, <laughs> you know, her best friend Yuki <laughs> tries yeah. to be playful. <laughs> I like, I kind of think about that as like two potential ways, which is like, one, it's that like gay panic, which is like, I mean, like, I know for me, like, I was very, like, not physically affectionate with people growing up. Um, And then I think that I realized that what it was is it must have been like a protection for me so that I wouldn't realize how gay I was. Um, So I think that's a potential. And then I think alternatively, it's just like, nah, bitch, I'm really like, (laughs) we're we're such friends, get the fuck away from me. (laughs) Right, right. And either way, I like it. And um, I don't know, if like Yuki says this because she's like sulking or just like it's a natural response to to Mon, but she effectively says to her like, "Who knows if Sam's gonna even remember you, dude? It's been years." Yeah, and that's kind of how part one ends. Mon's sort of like, "Oh, I wonder. Maybe she won't remember me." <laughs> like, I think Mon honestly expected Kunsam to like be just as obsessed as mon is just like waiting for mon to be ready to join the company like how how are you like it's been 13 years at this point okay like the last time she saw you you were a child like why (laughs) you know i think that you're right i think that she probably was feeling that way which like makes me laugh so hard because i'm just like Honey, if she was that invested in you and you were that invested in her, y'all would have met already. Yeah, you would have found each other. (laughs) Oh, little delusional mon baby. (laughs) I know. She's precious. So let's jump into part two. Um, Mon arrives at the office for her first day of work, again, sporting like a pink salmon-y blazer. And she just looks so fucking happy to be there, like... She's just like, the world is beautiful. The world is great. <laughs> Can't wait to meet my idol. Yeah. And again, as she's shot in direct sunlight, the world around her is very bright, very vibrant. The trees are like the greenest green. She's walking past like this flowing water fountain. Just everything is happy, optimistic, exciting. And um, so she's going up the stairs she gets a little bit distracted by uh sam's picture <laughs> like she's never seen a picture of kunsan before like what <laughs> maybe she hasn't seen this picture okay do not act like we don't all freak out by a different angle of a fucking photo of freen becky 
You know what? You're right. I'll give her that. I'll give her that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't don't fucking judge Mon. <laughs> so uh, I thought it was really interesting as they're going up the stairs. And then when Mon actually meets the rest of the team is they talk a lot about the fact that she is half Thai and half British. And I don't know what the like, I don't know how common that is. I don't know what the feelings are because like they're all like fully ready to talk to her in English and then like very relieved when she spoke Thai. So um, from the interactions between the HR lady, Noi, it seems like the way that you hire someone in Thailand is you just take their profile or resume and you take maybe a picture like you don't actually interview in person they choose you off of your credentials essentially and so i think everyone at the office saw a half british half thai like credential Mm -hmm. and saw the picture which she looked more caucasian than uh, thai and made an assumption that she wouldn't speak thai um, and I will say that uh, this is actually an addition that Becky requested because like Becky herself is half Thai, half British. And so she thought it would be interesting to incorporate that into Mon's storyline. Oh, OK. Well, that makes a lot more sense to me as to why they like brought it up multiple times. Like I was like, would you bring that up? Like so clearly, like I'm just thinking like if I went to work and someone was like, you're brown. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, bitch, well, you- what? <laughs> You've got to think like in a homogenous population where everyone is mostly of the same um, descent. Anyone who's like, quote unquote, foreign looking will stand out. Yeah. And again, when you're in that sort of homogenous population, you don't you don't really think twice about being curious about it Mm -hmm. because you don't think there's anything wrong with being curious, you know? Yes, that is true. I have heard that. So, um, yeah, so they (laughs) so they all learn that she does, in fact, speak Thai. They do not need to attempt to speak English uh, to her. And they end up kind of like showing her around a little bit. They show her the seat that she's going to or like the desk she's going to occupy. And then you see um, Noi, the HR lady. And then is it Ya? Is that what I don't know what her title is, but the other woman who like she interacts with She's like the mentor for Bon. Yeah. So the two of them kind of like sidebar and are talking about this like chair and what we learn or about this desk. And what we learn is that apparently nobody who's at that desk lasts. And, you know, they're just like, why are you putting her in the cursed seat? And so then I like could not fucking believe this. So then Mon looks and sees a fucking obituary or what do you call that? It's not an obituary. It's like a, a black and white photo. It's sort of like a you would do that for someone who's passed. It's sort of a shrine of sorts. So she sees that and she's like, oh. And then like they like play in with this joke and they're just like, oh, yes, this other co-worker, um, Sheen, is died. I, they didn't say died. But they're just like, oh, yes, him. And then suddenly he pops out from underneath the desk and he's like, wah. So like they're just like being a bunch of goofballs in this place. Yeah, the office mates are really going to be the comedic relief throughout the show. And it's it's. It's nice to see it, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I also, so I don't know if you um, clocked this, but like, did you notice that the workspace is is pretty vibrant uh, visually? Like the windows have these like 
they're all like these different colors. Like the coworkers are also wearing like really bright colors as well. Like Yaz in red, Sheen is in um green, like a bright, like a vibrant green. Like it's a pretty lively up in there. Yeah, I did notice. It's definitely like a modern space, the kind of space you would associate with um, like a content creation kind of, you know, that hipstery sort of look. Yeah, that I would not associate with Kunsam. Um, it's, it's interesting to me that that's her business. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. So then we find out that Sheen is actually alive. And then uh, Mon gets taken to a couple other places. We get to see the canteen. We get to see this little nap space. And all I can think is like, man, I motherfucking wish. Like, could I get some fucking snacks? Could I get a fucking sleep space? It's a trap, V. Because that's how they, like, keep the employee there for, like, 12 to 15 hours because they're like you don't need to leave to go eat you don't need to leave to go sleep everything you need is right here at the office but my hours are eight a day so thank you for the food and goodbye <laughs> <laughs> i'm not fucking staying i'm just eating all my time <laughs> maybe that's why you've never seen the inside of one of these offices <laughs> i would not do well in that kind of work environment mm -mm, they'd hate me Please. Uh, yeah. So then in the nap space, we meet Auntie Me, who is the custodian. Is that like? Yeah. House housekeeping. Like, I don't really something like yeah, that. I feel like she wears like this really cutesy little apron, doesn't she? She does. Yeah. She has like a maid outfit on, doesn't yeah, she? Exactly. Exactly. That's why I was like, what's her title? Because she looks like just so cutesy. Um, but anyway, she's she dramatic. <laughs> she's so dramatic. Um, she's entertaining. She's a little jokester. And we hear from Ya that like Auntie Me knows everything. And <laughs> what's really funny is like um Mon is just like, oh, this is such a great environment. It's so comfortable. It must be because Kunsam is like the most amazing best person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so I think we didn't get to touch on it really before, but um, the Kunsam in Mon's mind is kind, generous, you know, loves animals, loves children, uh, charitable, everything. Okay. So when she says this, she fully believes that she's going to get a positive response back. She does. Instead, what happens is she gets taken back to the office where everyone is so that they can all hear the bull, the dumbassery that came out her mouth. Right. Can you believe this bitch? Like, say it again. Say it again for everyone to hear. Yeah, we all need a good fucking laugh. And um, that is where she in she ends up learning that kind of like all those interviews, everything that she thinks she knows about Kunsam since she met her is all essentially PR. It's not real. They describe her as, you know, cold-blooded, a savage. And I really appreciated the way that this was being said and being intercut with images of Sam driving her yellow, fancy-ass car coming into work. Yeah, I love this introduction to Kunsam, honestly, because, like, she drives in on this sports car. We see her through a dark windshield. And once we get in, she's got sunglasses on. She gets out, she's walking, and there's no nature around her. You know, the sky is sort of overcast. Um, all we see is, like, cars stopping for her, buildings. There's just no... Everything is very cold, very sterile, and very industrial. And contrast that to Mon's arrival. It's just such a good, 
par- like comparison of oh, just yeah. how opposite they are. Yeah. So she comes in and these like everyone fucking scatters to their desk, terrified as shit, quiet as fuck. Um, it reminds me of um, Devil Wears Prada. Ooh, yeah, that's a you good know when Miranda Priestly comes in. Yes, yeah, it's definitely that kind of vibe. But Mon, for some fucking reason, is like, ooh, ooh, I'm frozen. <laughs> can't, can't find my oh, desk. I don't know where it bless is. Bless her heart. She's <laughs> like, what do I do? Why is everybody freaking out? Even though they literally just screamed it. Like, they're like, the boss is coming. She's to like, your stations. Um, I'm about to get my kiss. I'm ready for right, it. Right, right. <laughs> I need to stand here right at the end of this this walkway so that I could be just right in the front and center for her. Yeah. So, so Mon just stands her ass right there. And then Kunsam arrives and she, you know, walks up, essentially like walks right next to Mon and is like, what time is it? And can we just pause though and yeah. just admire? The outfit that Kinsam is wearing. Oh my god. Yes, you are speaking to my fucking heart. Like, oh, honey. The heels? Like, oh. She's wearing this, like, coat dress, I guess. I don't really know (laughs) how to describe it. Like, you can tell I'm not a fashion person, but, like, I'm obsessed with Kunsam's wardrobe. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh my god. Her wardrobe. Like, this episode, I, oh, yes. (laughs) <laughs> there will be so more comments. She's wearing this like wrap dress. It's two toned. Um, it's got the Eve Saint Laurent heels on. Walking in all like mean face. Like she just looks so mean and so hot. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you just admitting to the, the, the to the public that you find mean girls hot? <laughs> I mean, it, it's the energy, right? It's it's like, what's she gonna do to me? It's hot. <laughs> I just needed you to say that explicitly because I'm sure that there are plenty who will agree with you. I will fucking stand there and wait for you to come stand next to me and I'm gonna fucking kiss you. Um, So (laughs) Mon is very understandable now. But instead what happens is Sam asks for the time and slow ass Mon can't get the time fast enough. So Kunsam asks again, and everyone stands up in that fucking office. It's like, 9.15! It's 9.15! And then she's like, I have an important announcement. We'll meet in the, I guess, like, conference room? Meeting room? Um, in five minutes. And then she keeps walking, and then she goes, actually, two minutes. And then she gives this little smile before leaving, which the workers refer to as her deadly smile that comes out when someone is about to get fired. Everyone is freaking out at this point. And Mon, again, is like, why is everybody freaking out? Like, were you not there, Mon? Where were you? Were you daydreaming to imaginary Kunsam when real Kunsam is right there? That's going to be my excuse because the amount of times that she fucking asks, huh, about something that just got explained is is like, (laughs) honey, honey. (laughs) She's a cute little puppy. You know, she gets confused easily. They go to this room, and so they all sit. <laughs> and then Kunsam just starts, like, going on about how family members must not date. Right. I don't know what else she ends up saying, but she fucking comes up with some fucking video av- evidence. Like, she's not just like, hey, <laughs> privately. Security footage. <laughs> yeah, this isn't some, like, 
hey, blah, blah, and blah, blah, I saw y'all breaking this rule, you should be, she's like, I will fucking put this shit on the, like, on the television for everyone to see as I fire you publicly, and, I mean, that's essentially what she does, and she gives them their compensation for the firing and just kind of, like, walks off. So, I do want to say that, like, I, in this moment, I already see some things that are in comp so you know you remember the office mates referring to her as cold-hearted emotionless savage but yes she's firing these two people but she frames it by saying like i've tried my best to make this company like a family so we can all be a family together um but family members must not date and you know she's almost disappointed in these two employees who have worked for her for quite a while to like they should know better and they decided that they didn't respect kunsam enough to follow the rules and respect is a is a big thing you know like she at the end of the day is still still holds a royal title like above all else like they needed to pay her that respect beyond just that of a boss employee relationship and so with that said like Yes, she's firing them, but she gives them severance, which I'm sure she doesn't really need to do. I will agree with that, especially like having watched the full series and rewatching. And I think that this is something that I relate to in maybe some of my own actions and definitely in some of my family's actions is learning to see the affection that's hidden underneath. I think that when you look at things at a very superficial level, that you can perceive it in a much harsher way than it really is. Um, and so like, I definitely with the severance, I was like, that was, it felt like an act of kindness in a difficult situation. Yeah. And definitely when we see her on the roof after she walks out of the meeting, she seems sad and, you know, upset that she had to do this and expresses some remorse i think or disappointment or whatever like expresses some emotions that now that she's by herself she's able to express oh i'm really glad that you like clocked it for what it was meant in the story because my note was just like damn she's on that roof looking hot as fuck (laughs) oh my god could you not focus for one second (laughs) look mon and i get distracted okay (laughs) i relate to her i have my own daydreams (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yes for everybody who cares about the actual storyline and plot <laughs> that is what i have counterparts for <laughs> so this is part three now and it's the end of the work day and everyone's getting ready to go but mon says that she wants to stay behind to organize her desk and um who is it it's the yeah noi the hr she's like i don't want to have to hire again yeah please don't leave and then they they walk out and then Auntie Me comes over and it's struggling while carrying like two fucking items, which like <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, it's a box and two garbage bags. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny because like they weren't even full garbage bags either. And um, no one's claiming that Auntie Me is the best housekeeper <laughs> in the world, okay? Like she naps on the job, she can't find her broomstick. Like, <laughs> but she doesn't kiss anyone at work, so stay hired. She doesn't kiss anyone at work. <laughs> You're right. Stay employed. Yeah. 
So, well, anyway, she drops a fucking trash bag, and Mon's like, oh, let me help you. And so Auntie Mimi's like, oh, okay, will you take this box, up, box upstairs, and then, like, when you come back down, will you turn off the lights? Sweet Mon agrees. And so she does. She goes and she puts that box down. But what she's not prepared for is that when she turns to exit, that Sam has suddenly appeared. And <laughs> she fucking, like, trips onto her. Yeah, Kunsam goes like, hey, you, or just you i don't know what she says but mom freaks out and turns around and they collide into each other essentially oh yes there are those gay ass stares mom's hands oh, the intense the intense eye contact like i there's so much eye contact <laughs> but you will notice the eyes are open now that yeah. we're in reality yes yeah 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 <laughs> She's probably gay panicking so hard. Yeah, she's probably like, what do I do? This is really close. My hands are on her chest. Oh, she didn't even notice her fucking hands are on her chest until, like, Sam's just, like, looking down, like, what the fuck? And so then, uh -huh. once she realizes, then she gay panics again and tries to walk away, but instead falls again. So that, I have to say, I really love this fucking moment. So she, like turns and falls and like the stairs are there so sam like goes to essentially break her fall her hand is at her head and i'm like wrap into her hair yes yes i'm like fuck yeah give me all these moments it's beautiful i love it <laughs> uh, Sam the savior right like time and time again oh my god she is and um but then, but then we all get brought back to like the reality reality because suddenly Kunsam is like, fuck, my bracelet's stuck in your hair. <laughs> <laughs> my 5,000 bot bracelet. Uh, 5 million bot. Oh, I'm so very, very sorry. My 5 million bot bracelet. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's straight up drag. She's like, I need to go take care of this. So she drags Mon by the hair <laughs> all the way over to the cabinet. <laughs> Yes, she does. And she pulls out the scissors and Ma's like, whoa, what are we doing? And like, I mean, I agree with Sam, though. She's just like, um, this is stuck. What can grow back? Your hair. We're chopping it. It's logical. Right. What what's gonna grow back? The bracelet or the hair? And Mon, sweet, sweet dumb Mon, is like <laughs> hair. <laughs> she she answers like, hmm, it's a pop quiz. I think I got the answer. I believe it's the hair. <laughs> and Kunsam's like, so should we cut the hair or should we cut the bracelet? And oh, my baby Mon is like hair. <laughs> but then but then when it's going to happen she's like ah, no 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 and this like drama is enough to get her hair out of the bracelet so all is okay the bracelet's good the hair is good <laughs> no one needs to freak out this is like none of this is professional behavior right like if noi was a was around there would be a citation please HR like, citation like noi would have the nerve to cite sam <laughs> She'd just be like, I don't see anything. Maybe her hair shouldn't have attacked her bracelet, Mon. Yeah, maybe she'd give Mon a citation. <laughs> yeah, instead, exactly. Um, and and Kunsam starts like, oh, like, are you okay? Is it okay? And Mon thinks she's asking her. Mon's like, yeah, I'm okay. Only for Kunsam to be like, oh, my bracelet. Like, if I got you scratch, I don't know what I would do. Like, oh, it's terrible. It costs five million bots. Yeah, poor Mon is still like, oh, you know, she wanted to chop my hair and everyone's terrified of her after that firing. 
But, you know, she wants to know how I'm doing. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so then she's just like, all right, it's been a day. Like, it's been our first day. Let me get my ass home. And as she's going home, we see Nope standing and he's there with like bubble tea or boba. And I definitely, my instinctive reaction was like, bitch, can you not make me look bad? Like I literally told my wife that we would get boba today and then forgot. It's really funny because my first thought was like, oh, wouldn't it be lovely if like we all had someone to just greet us with bubble tea at the end of the workday? Like I love we're just both focusing on the bubble tea <laughs> instead of the man. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, isn't that what people want? Is the bubble tea, not the man? <laughs> Does someone want the man? They can take him. <laughs> leave the leave the boba. <laughs> so yeah, Mon stumbles upon him. He hands her the boba. She's drinking it. He pulls out the fan to take care of her. And um, he ends up saying something to the effect of like, you know, you could get this all the time if we were dating. And it's clear that he's brought this up multiple times because Mon says something to the effect of like, you need to quit. The complete lack of interest on Mon's side of things. Oh, yeah. And I just had to laugh because, like, you know, that's such a man thing to do, right? Just, like, she is completely 100% clear about how things stand between them. But he's like, LOL, I'm going to, like, when are you going to say yes to me? LOL, I've been asking you for years and years. Ha ha. Like, meanwhile, she's like, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear that from you. We're friends. And Mon gives him his boba back and is basically like, there will be no misunderstanding here. There is nothing. And I loved her for that. I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Honey. Definitely. She's like, I don't want your gift. I don't want nothing from you. Yep. So then she just walks off to go home and he's like, oh. he's like, oh, I don't mean it. Can Yuki and you and I have dinner? And she's like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> like, Mon is just so like... <laughs> Doesn't give a fuck. Mon gets her ass inside and then has dinner with her mama and papa. And of course, the topic of conversation is Kunsam. And they're just like, what? She's so different. Who knew 13 years would have an effect? <laughs> I can't believe Kunsam doesn't remember you. You mean you, yeah. you were an itty bitty baby before and now you're an adult, but I still can't believe it. <laughs> And you know how, like, sometimes, like, we say things to our loved ones to try and comfort them? Because, like, Papa's just like, I don't know, maybe she was stressed and couldn't remember. And then the mom is like, maybe if you take the dog, she'll remember. And I'm just like, can you all quit? Like, with this advice right. I don't like. They're trying to coddle Mon, which, like, sure, it makes sense. Mon's very cute, very coddleable. But, like, <laughs> the reality is, like, why would she remember? It's been 13 years. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. And so her mother tells her, like, hey, don't give up after one day. <laughs> but then, like, her stepfather is like, oh, you could go to England where your father is. Actually, no, Mon's the one who brings it up. She says, like, oh. I think, like, I, I don't think that the company is the right fit for me. I think if I don't make it through my probationary period, I'm going to go to England and look for a job there. Okay, okay. And then so Papa's being supportive of that. And supportive, like yeah. Papa here is a, the stepfather and her bio dad lives in England. And mom clearly is not good with this because she gets up to wash dishes. <laughs> Ooh, she is mad. Like she doesn't, she, dad tries to go and offer to help and mom's like, nope, I don't want your help. Goodbye. 
I, I relate to mom so much in that moment where I'm just like, nah, fuck y'all. I need to go clean, call my fucking nerves. <laughs> Ugh, it's so funny because I really relate to dad and mom in this instance because I... I'm so bad at these sort of little like offhanded comments that don't mean anything to me, mm. but are significant for someone else that they are hurt or upset or offended. Yeah. And I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, that sucks for you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, mom, um, the mom is is hurt because Mon is so ready to go to England. And what what mom hears is that her daughter would rather move to England and stay with her dad who will take better care of her than mom did. You know, so she's she's hurt and and upset that you know, even though that's not what mom is saying at all. She's just saying like um maybe if this job opportunity doesn't work out, I'll look for a job opportunity elsewhere. But for mom, it brings up a lot of feelings because she you know, separated from the bio dad and brought little Mon back to Thailand with her, raised her by herself. I'm not 100% sure when the stepdad came into the picture, but, you know, she has a lot of these feelings wrapped up in her, like, caregiving and her upbringing of Mon and, and how good or bad of a job she did as a single mother for a while. Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing that up because um, honestly, the scene between Mon and her mother like really brought up feelings of me and my mother. Um, not in the sense that like, because like, I don't, I, I hate my father. So like, none of that. But with the mom being like, you know, I've, I've taken care of you all your life, you know, um, just really made me think about how like sometimes I feel as if though I see in other family dynamics, I, I notice like there's one caregiver who does a lot of work um, to do that caregiving and then to feel essentially betrayed by a child to align or want to be with the other person who didn't really do the caregiving. Like that's really hurtful. And I adore my mother because I very much see everything that she's done for me. And so, like, when Mon tries to comfort her mom and, like, essentially, like, talk to her about feelings in a way that I don't think older generations are, like, used to talking about things, the way she, like, hugs her mother and says, like, you know, I'll try really hard here. Like, it really pulled up, like, my feelings for my own mother. And I just, I really enjoyed it. It, it felt very relatable. For me, it pulled up. You know, like I said before, like, not only do I not know when I offend people accidentally, I also don't know how to fix it. Like, <laughs> like uh, Mon here is so adorable, right? She's like, don't worry, Mon, Mom, I'll keep trying. Like, I won't quit. Even if Kunsam kicks me out of the company, I'm not going to leave. I'll still stay. Like, I won't give up, you know? I, and what she's essentially saying is like, I'll stick by my my mom's side mm -hmm. no matter what. You know, it's just like so cute. And she's got that cute little sunshine face. Like who can stay mad at it? <laughs> yeah, she is really good. She is really good about like um, moving things over. So she does that with her mother. And then we go ahead and jump to Sam, who is driving her vehicle. 
and talking to her friends. It sounds like she's like getting ready to go do something when grandmother calls. And the way she hangs up that phone to answer grandma. Oh, you can see that she prepares herself to talk to her grandmother. You know, she kind of resets her face. She puts her hand around her neck. She like it's almost like she's getting ready for a performance before she picks up that phone. Mm, I like that you said performance. Yeah. Getting yourself ready to deal with the situation you do not want to deal with. And but she knows she has to deal with it. So she takes that call and grandmother basically, you know, does like the guilt trip thing. Like haven't seen you in a while. I don't know if she says it at this point, but she basically is like, come to my house. Um, yeah. And, and Kunsan's like, oh, I kind of have plans. But she doesn't even get to finish the sentence because grandmother just talks over her and is like, basically, I want you here. I will see you soon. And right. Kunsan listens. She says, okay, hangs with the phone and takes her ass to that big old white house. It's a palace. Oh, my, my fucking bad. To that big old white <laughs> palace. <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, I think it was interesting earlier you had talked about, like, this, like, sterility with the introduction of um, Sam. And I thought that this really gave me those feelings as she walks into this massive home and it's vast and it feels almost empty. Like, there's furniture in there, but there's so much empty space and it's so cold feeling. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. But it feels so sterile. Definitely, like the atmosphere that we're being presented with is is like very, very imposing. The camera's panning upwards, giving a sense of like just intimidation. I feel like mm -hmm. um, everything is sort of in a dark, cool tone. And when Kunsan walks into the foyer, I guess like she looks tiny compared to everything around her. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And like immediately my thoughts were, is this where is this where my baby was raised? And it's really it's I mean, like we go into the to the next part where she ends up sitting at the dining table and she's sitting with like her elbows on the table. And as grandmother comes to correct her, you know, like when a person's body passes uh, by the lens of the camera, then the person is revealed to look differently. So now it's not adult Kunsam, it's young Kunsam being directed on how to sit properly. And I thought that was really beautiful. I really enjoyed that moment of like getting to see that this is this is her life here with grandma. And like, oh. It just like it hurts my heart because like even that dining table, it's a huge dining table. They're sitting so far apart from each other. Huge dining table, yes. Like the dis the the, the gap, haha, couldn't be wider. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We really get a sense that Kunsam was sort of raised in this I mean, I don't know if oppressive is the right word, just very lonesome. And so then as grandmother sits down to eat, um, they're talking and grandma basically is saying to her, like, why are you wasting your time? You need to get married at some point. So just do it now. You need to have children. You're getting older. And Kunsam is saying, like, we said five years. This business is my dream. I know that I can make you proud through this. Uh, I mean, grandma... Grandma, first of all, says that if you want to make me proud, you would just do what I say. Oh, I know. Which, <laughs> oh, the pain. And yeah, she does. She does end up bringing up um, the sisters. She says, you promised it to me that you would be a good kid. 
and that you wouldn't let me down like your sisters did. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's pretty fucked up. Like, you know, it's 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 a little bit manipulative, but a little bit like I believe I think that grandmother truly believes that she is putting the best path forward for Sam, for Kunsam, but I hate the way she's executing it. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that that's unfortunately not unrealistic, you know? Yeah, and you can tell that Kunsam has sort of almost like a instinctive reaction to the words that grandmother is saying, but she's unable to express them. Like, you can you can see it in her eyes that she feels the weight of what grandmother is saying to her. Yeah, definitely. And then another place setting gets put out. <laughs> and we are like, I mean, like, I was like, who the fuck is joining? I was like, is grandma bringing out, like, a hubby to marry today? Like, what's happening? Which, in some ways, I'm not really wrong. Um, who did, Who did you think was going to show up? Oh, I definitely figured it would be some sort of matchmaking blind date situation. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, I was kind of shocked when, so like at first I thought it was going to be someone that Kunsan was essentially meeting <laughs> that very same day. Um, but quickly right. I realized that it's someone that they all know because he was acting very familiarly with them. And um, yeah, he like. I feel like he's, like, saying all the right things. He's just like, oh, grandmother, you know, eat as much as you want. Like, you know, get your energy up. He puts food on uh, Kunsam's plate and tells her to eat up as well. He's just, like, so smiley and happy while Sam is, like, so uninterested or, like, even sad. So I have a couple of thoughts about this. Like, um, it's clear that they're – that Kunsam and – the guy's name is Kirk. Are familiar with each other? I didn't other even give him he, his name. He's so no, you didn't. You're like to me. <laughs> male number two. <laughs> um, he calls her Sam instead of Kunsam. Mm. Yeah, he puts food on on her plate. So these two things are like definitely denote a very familial relationship with each other. Kunsam's not acting like it. She's got her mask on in front of grandmother. And so you were saying how, like, Kirk is all smiles talking about with grandmother, like, wedding planning and everything. And neither of them seem to realize that Kunsam's over there, like, it, it's like she's experiencing torture talking about having to marry and raise a family. I know. It breaks my heart. And, like, I think that what I have rationalized is that they haven't seen the other side of her. So this isn't some kind of like, I know what Kunsam is like when she's happy and free and herself, and that this starkly different person means she's not in a good place. I think that they've never seen that other side of her. And so it's more so a feeling of like, oh, well, this is like who she is. You know, she's not expressive, you know, whatever it may be. Do you disagree? I feel like you're making faces. Um. I think it's an interesting perspective. I can understand how you feel that way. Um, in some ways, I do agree because I don't. I don't think that Kunsam really feels any sort of love or affection for Kirk at all. So she, he might just be very used to that. That's how she is. 
Yeah. And and maybe it's potentially some of my, my some of my own projection around the ways in which I hit a lot of myself to a lot of the people I really cared about. So their perception of me was completely based upon what I allowed them to see. So yeah, so it may be some projection on my part, but I also think that like the way that Kirk feels so smiley and content says to me that the way that Sam is presenting is not atypical um, and therefore is maybe potentially just kind of like, oh, you know, that's my girl. She doesn't like to show emotions and not like, oh, I'm com- I'm unaware of human emotions and the fact that this is yeah. not happiness. As this conversation progresses, um, grandmother brings out dessert and is just like, oh, you know, this is good. This should really be at your wedding. And that's when... I'm not how I'm not sure how formal this engagement is. I took it as there's this agreement that they will marry. Like nobody proposed or anything, but there's just this agreement that this is this is happening. Okay. <laughs> and then grandmother's like, You're about to be 30. Think about having right, babies. Your, <laughs> your womb's gonna die if you don't use it soon. <laughs> Give me my great grandchildren. Um <laughs> So, yeah, she wants to move with the wedding and Sam just like reminds her, like, if I fail, I will close my company. I will do what's expected of me. I will marry Kirk. So this is when we find out that um, Kunsam and grandmother made an agreement that Kunsam will run her company for five years. And in those five years, she needs to make the company needs to make 50 million bot in profits or overall. I'm not 100 percent sure now. Um, otherwise, yeah, she she has to agree to close the company and marry Kirk. And um, you can feel like, you know, grandmother is is fighting for one thing. Kunsam is fighting for something else. And Kirk there is like, you know, I can wait. <laughs> He's like, I got this grandmother. I can wait. It's fine. Let's see if she can do it. I'll support my girl. <laughs> you know, when I was watching it, I was definitely like, how? Like, if, if I were Kirk, like, how would I not see the look of just absolute, like, fear, torture, dread? on Kunzam's face as she's talking about like yeah I'll, I'll give up and I'll marry Kirk like why why is that a thing that you as the partner would want to hear right like my my business which I love more than anything else has failed so like as punishment I will marry you look as someone who was very close to marrying a man I can tell you they can see a lot and not see a lot oh god <laughs> They end up leaving uh, Kirk and Sam. They end up going outside and they're just kind of talking business. You know, she's asking him to help her because he's her business partner and he's kind of being like goofy. You know, um, I thought it was interesting how they talk so freely with each other. Like it's so f- yeah. casual. Yeah, for sure. I picked up on that as well. It's, it's it becomes clear. Like, so we learned that they're childhood friends. Mm-hmm. So, they've well, they've known each other since childhood. So, like, they're comfortable with each other. And Kunsam is is able to sort of freely express some emotion with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that emotion is irritation, but still. <laughs> but it's honest and it's real. And she does. She says to right. him, like, you know, like, you know how happy I am when I work. And I kind of feel for Kirk a little bit because he makes that joke where he's he's like, he's like, great, keep working. I'll be a stay-at-home husband for you. And she's like, you know, like, she wants real solutions as to effectively 
avoid marrying him. <laughs> right, right. And he's like, that's okay. We can still play house, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no. No, like, I, I'm trying really hard for us not to get married. And so did anything happen or did she just walk into her car? Because, like, I could not focus, so I quit trying to watch it. I know she literally just leaves his ass and Great. gets in the car and leaves. <laughs> like, it's really hilarious. Like, he's in the middle of, like, maybe we should rob a bank. Maybe I'll be a stay-at-home husband for you. Ha, ha, ha. Aren't I cute? And she looks at him. She just fucking leaves. Oh, I love her. She owns my heart. <laughs> That's my kind of woman. <laughs> maybe I should have brought this up earlier, but it wasn't until this moment that I was like, huh. It's so funny that her car is yellow and bright. Um, just considering as we enter into her home, which is also like a very like um, neutral tone type of space. And like her being raised in what felt like a very white and sterile space. Like, I just thought it was interesting that she had such a bright vehicle. It is interesting. And we'll learn more about why that is. So Kunsam comes home. And right away we see like... This is a huge house for one person to live in, right? She's sort of navigating throughout this house as like this tiny little person. You know, the house is dark. She clearly has a routine. She sets her bag down. She puts on this like slow music. She pours herself a glass of wine. I'm like dying of laughter because I'm like, you did all that. And what my note was just like confusing her fucking decanter for a fucking carafe. Like, you know, like I feel like a carafe is more like for orange juice. So like you're just like, oh, she's got a routine. And I'm like, oh, she's got a carafe for wine. <laughs> it's because I really love the way they filmed this scene. You know, like she is clearly used to a life of solitude. You know, she's got her routine down. She walks around this house. She goes from the kitchen to the living room to the dining room to the pool. And she's just sort of on on her own thinking. Um, and by the time we get to the bedroom, like she's got she's got, you know, gray sheets, everything sort of cold tone neutral colors mm -hmm. and she's got like a million candles <laughs> i did like i didn't clock it at this point but later on i was just like god she has so many fucking candles all the time she's so gay <laughs> yeah like her essentially her only lighting but you know once she goes upstairs to her bedroom and the bathroom her only lighting is the the, the candles um so the bedroom candles she goes into the bathroom there's like 53 candles in the bathroom and the imagery of the bathroom with its like concrete slab sort of industrial look juxtaposed with the soft light of a million candles. And then she's in the tub looking like depressed as fuck, thinking about the company, thinking about her future, whether or not she's going to have to marry, how she's going to save the company. Like I love this entire scene it really just highlights like the loneliness that's in kunsam's life you know and she might not mind it or realize it but like that's all i can think about when i watch that scene mm -hmm. interesting so i'm curious as to what you may think about the choice to have her home so i think her home visually looks like what i would expect her to have in her home 
and the use of candles. I mean, because when I think of candles, is I think of them as romantic. I think of them as whimsical. I think of them as grounding. I think of them as all these things that I would not associate with the type of living space that she has. And so I wonder what the kind of intention is here. I mean, like, I can I can bullshit something, but I don't know how much I believe it. You know, like, my my thought is just like, is this supposed to indicate like a representation of this like pull and desire for warmth and softness and gentleness and um, intimacy and all these things that I think like the candle represents. But I don't know if that's just me bullshitting or I believe it. That's an interesting perspective and I can totally see how that could be an aspect of it. Um, I have some thoughts about her use of candle and fire. Um later on in the season okay um yeah okay so we'll get to it don't don't forget it <laughs> i'll try not to <laughs> um all right so kunsam we are now back at work and is effectively announcing that she um, wants to launch a new online page uh diversity pop and she is asking her employees for ideas that will wow her She's clearly like really stressed out about it after the conversation with grandmother. She's like, I need to make a change and I need to make money right now. Um, so she's asking for ideas that will wow her. And the one of the women suggests something like a coffee shop and doesn't have like follow up. And so Kunsam is just like, if you haven't thought it through, keep it to yourself. And I really felt for right. her. <laughs> Fell for the I, random girl? No, I fell for Kunsam. Why? Tell me more. Because I get her point. Like, this is something that I struggle with. It's just like, I feel like Kunsam, you know, focuses on like, pro like, um, the result and efficiency. And like, I don't like it when people waste my time. Fair, but on the other hand, she's, she called this meeting, right? And they're, presumably had no notice whatsoever mm -hmm. and during this meeting she's like <laughs> i need i'm starting a new section of the company and i want to know what you're going to fill that section with you know like it would be reasonable to assume that this is some sort of brainstorming session just throwing a bunch of ideas out there no and i, I agree with that it's like i think that instinctively i feel bad for her because i could see myself being like oh like why are you wasting my time but then i'd have to stop and be like oh yes maybe we should think about this together um i don't think that she's trying to be a bitch i think that she's trying to gather information to try and make this work or to determine if it's not going to be effective she's stressed out about the future of the company and she wants big changes right away and I think she has high expectations of her employees to be just as committed as she is, mm -hmm. just as ready to come up with ideas that are well thought out, that, you know, maps a path to how it could come to fruition. Unfortunately, I think she has a skewed perception of her relationship with her employees. Mm -hmm. Like her employees are maybe too frightened of her to really like work on the same wavelength as her yeah 
I just thought, like, in that moment when Shane was just, just like, oh, God, she's in such a rush. Like, why? Whatever. I was like, hmm, they don't know that she's in a rush because she's stressed out about what this means for her life and her future. And so, like, yeah. they're filling in her motivations as being like, she's just a bitch. And it's like, no, I'm trying to fucking live, dude. Like, I'm trying to have a life. Right. And um, at some point, we see Noi, the HR lady, um, I think she has stomach cramps or something that she normally takes medicine for, but she's unable to because they've been stuck at this meeting for <laughs> hours. Yeah. And she's decided that she's going to stick it out, right? But Mon, Mon's the type of person who, if something's unfair or seems un, like seems wrong, like she'll say something about it. You know, like she thinks it's 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 fine. Like obviously, like you should be open to criticism or if something makes you uncomfortable. So <laughs> she decides to to speak out and say, like, why don't you like Sukunsam, like, why don't you give everybody a break? Like this is not productive. And everyone is like, What did you just do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm laughing because <laughs> my notes are like Mon is explaining why a break would be beneficial, not only for the employees, but ultimately for Sam. And Sam is being a little bit sassy. And my next note is just, please, her sexy outfits. Because that fucking outfit, that, like, that little, like, it, it looks like a fucking, like, lingerie top with that cape-ass jacket. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a corset top with, is it a jacket? Like I can't tell cape? what the outside. I don't know. <laughs> in, oh, I think it might be some sort of cape, but like the sleeves are cut. It looks like she picked, like she picked up, like somebody had taken scissors to a cape mm -hmm. and picked it up and was like, "I'm gonna put it on yeah. over my course." Yeah, it does, <laughs> and it's fucking hot. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> you know i really love mon's top in this um scene too it's pink peach and i believe indigo sort of it it feels almost like smoke like three colors of smoke sort of swirled together on a top i'm not gonna lie it don't looks e really cool don't even remember what she was wearing <laughs> how dare you you know she <laughs> I really do. Don't. You know how do you know how hard it is to come up with new outfits made of pink <laughs> day after day? I was very distracted by um Kunzam. <laughs> do do we see her? It, just trust me, she looked pretty in it. Okay. Well, maybe that's why she asked her to come to her office. Um <laughs> So, yes. So, Kunzam asks Mon to come to her office. And, you know, that's the dramatic pause before we get into part four, where Mon is in Kunzam's office. Kunzam is, again, lighting candles in the office, which fire hazard. You can't have that in the office. This was the point in which my note was just like, this is real gay. Her, like, obsession with candles. Um, yeah, she's it's not just candles. She seems to be really focused on her lighter. Oh, I don't remember her fucking lighter. Yeah, I feel like it's the lighter and maybe the fire. And the mm -hmm. candles are just sort of the end point, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I'll pay attention to that. Um, so Kunsam says to Mon, you know, like, you're the first in four years to essentially argue with me. And mm, you may have to fill in the gaps here. I'm not exactly certain what specifically happens in the conversation. But I do remember it ends with, like, 
Mon being really honest and being like, yeah, you seem kind of merciless. What happens is, um, so, so for me, uh, Kunstam clearly is putting on an act. Like she's trying to sound intimidating, sound like a boss. Like how, like, why did you speak to me that way? Like, you know, like, why did you say that? And Mon is just her brave little self. Like I felt like you were being unfair and so I spoke up like I don't think there's anything wrong with it I don't want you to punish like I spoke up for the um, seniors because they weren't able to and I don't want you to punish or fire them because of what I said mm-hmm. and Kunsam's sort of taken it back she's like wait a minute like why like do you really take me for like that kind of merciless person who I I, I would just fire somebody which first of all like <laughs> She tried to act tough, right? She's like putting on an act for Mon, like be like, I'm the boss. And then she immediately is like, but no, don't actually view me that way. That's really <laughs> funny because I didn't think of her as putting on an act. I thought that she was genuinely curious and like fascinated by this person who would challenge her. Oh, I agree. I agree. She's absolutely fascinated by Mon. Like how, like, you know, you think about Kunsam. Like the way that she essentially put her face in neutral, like she would put a car in neutral whenever grandmother called. Like she's somebody who's very, very comfortable, like hiding her feelings and hiding her emotions. And to be faced with somebody like Mon, who speaks up immediately if something doesn't seem right, who speaks freely when asked a question, who doesn't seem scared or intimidated by Kunsam at all, like. Kunsam is absolutely fascinated with her, but still trying to sort of put up her front, you know, her like cold persona. Okay. Yeah. So, like, Kunsam ends up saying to Mon, you know, when she says, like, yeah, you do seem kind of merciless, um, she's like, are you trying to get fired? Um, and then she asks her, you know, like, well, okay, what do you think that we should deliver? And I was so impressed with Mon because I feel like so often she comes off as like, I don't want to say shy or timid because that's not exactly accurate. But like in this moment, she seemed so sure of herself and like so assertive with what she thought needed done. And like the confidence was so impressive. And then like once she was done delivering her like little spiel of what she thinks needed done, like she did kind of have like downcast eyes, like kind of like being, I don't know if it was like meant to be respectful or like nervous, but like, I was just like, okay, mom, lean into that confidence. I mean, she had the same education that Kunsam did. So I, I'm not surprised that she has a lot to say and she has good ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also not surprised that she speaks up about them because that's just like the kind of person that she is. Um, and I think for Kunsam, she's never really been faced with somebody who would talk to her this way. Um, and she's definitely like, what, who is this person? Like, she can't even really respond to Mon. Like, all she can manage to do is sort of wave Mon off to, like, go back to her desk. Yeah. Yeah. So she tells her to go. And so it's so funny because she goes back to her desk and everyone's just, like, waiting for her to come out, like, sobbing, saying that she's been fired or something like that. But she just, like, walks back to her desk to get to work and everyone's just like... Um, so we got you some lunch because you didn't get to eat. Like, we're done having a break. Like, what's going on? And and Mon's just like, oh, she talked. I gave her ideas. 
no big deal yeah like the the office mates are like shocked right that she didn't first of all didn't come out crying and she's shocked and they're shocked that um kun sam didn't i feel like they said didn't hurt her hit her or something i don't know if that's i'm remembering correctly but like they're definitely like why are you so okay <laughs> yeah for sure for sure and then sam ends up coming out and she's just like announcing like mm, mon is gonna be the administrator right the the new intern on her second day of the job she's gonna take up this new um initiative that i'm trying to do to save the fucking company <laughs> yeah and like and it's definitely not it's definitely not because mon is really pretty it's oh definitely not because of that okay okay so like yeah so she's like yeah she's gonna take over this and she's talking about like how her ideas are good and she you know like her being outspoken and then sets the expectations of i'm sorry five hundred thousand followers in a month like oh my lord is that possible what i do want to point out is that uh one of the caveats of mon being the admin is that she has to go into kunsam's office every day to give her updates and work plans like they're gonna have to work very very closely together that was the, that was the moment where i was just like i was like oh, okay like yeah she's like her ideas are good yeah uh-huh here are these expectations that are tougher you're gonna get fired and then she's like we'll have to meet every day and i'm like oh you gay bitch like you just fucking want to spend right. time with her <laughs> this woman intrigued you you're like i want to see her face <laughs> who cares about the company i mean yeah i do uh, yeah no mm, yeah no nope. she can totally do this she can save my company <laughs> yeah 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 i believe in this 22 year old intern yeah <sighs> so then we're at the canteen where Simon is working really hard and uh noi ends up mentioning that they, that Kirk has organized a dinner to celebrate Mon's employment or internship starting. And um, I could have sworn that Mon was a little bit sad hearing about Kirk at this point, but then later on, Girlie act like she didn't know who he was. <laughs> yeah, no, she was. Um, I don't think she was sad. She, she's, she just, she didn't know who Kirk was. And she was like, I think the feeling was sort more like, why don't I know about this? You know, because Mon remembers Kunsam's number one fan. Oh, true, true, true. Okay, okay, okay. That makes more sense. Because I was like, why are you acting confused later? So, you know, they agree that they're going to go and have this dinner. So the next scene that we get into is Chin, Ya, and Noi get out of the car with Mon. But Mon needs to wash her hands first. So they separate. And she goes to the restroom to wash her hands. But she, like, is, like... She's not daydreaming, or at least, like, we don't see her daydream. She's, like, out of it. Yeah, she's zoned out for sure. Yeah. And then, like, suddenly Sam is there and is, like, basically, like, your shit's in my way. And it's her bright-ass <laughs> fucking pink and purse in front of the other sink. Ugh, <laughs> oh, Kunsam is just, like, honestly, like, if I had met Kunsam when I was young, like, I'd be into her. Like, she's so cool and so mean. <laughs> she's just like, how long are you going to take? I want to wash my hands. Your purse is in my way. Like <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the purse is in the way. Then she washes her hands. And then she's like, your ass is in my fucking way. Can I please get some paper towels to wash my to dry my hands? <laughs> and mom, like, okay, there are a lot of ways to make room for somebody, mm -hmm. right? To go grab paper towels. <laughs> but mom chooses, like, 
Yeah, she's just like she's just like tries to press herself back into the sink. It's just yeah, and there's a lot of intense eye contact. Yeah. So Mon chooses the least effective way, essentially, of getting out of Kunsam's way. Um, and so Kunsam like has to lean over Mon basically to grab paper towels. <laughs> and so they they share some intense stares mm-hmm. at each other. They do. So Kunsam says, such a mess about Mon and like throws your paper towels away and walks out. And I was thinking, like, so when I originally watched it, I was just like, God, Kunsam's such a fucking bitch. Like, I just like thought it was like such a mean thing to say about Mon. And now that I'm rewatching, now I don't know that this is right, but this is the interpretation I'm taking now is I feel as if though Kunsam said such a mess, more so in a way to try and deter herself from what she's already feeling for Mon and just being like, this like cutesy little naive you know person isn't someone i should be feeling something for like let me focus on the ways in which she's a mess and um i enjoyed that you know for me um what i focused on was not not necessarily the phrase itself i was thinking like her lips are saying such a mess but her eyes are saying something totally different. (laughs) You know, I I almost feel like she, like, I think I agree with you. Like, she's trying to convince herself Mm -hmm. that she's not intrigued by Mon. Mm -hmm. Or trying to convince herself she shouldn't be, yeah. Right. So for me, like, such a mess, like, that that doesn't really mean any, like, I'm not putting weight on it. I'm more putting weight on, like, she's just throwing some comment out there to distract from the fact that she clearly is interested in Mon. Yeah. Ooh, and that grows because then they're sitting at the table to eat and Kirk apparently being the jokester that he is, is like, oh, yeah, the new hire has to pay. And Mon's like, well, um, but then they tell her, like, no, it's a joke. And um, so I just thought this was interesting. And I want to just like point this out is like, I very much view eating as a chore. I just thought it was so interesting to see to consistently see people referring to food in this episode as something that gives you energy to do like what you need to do, which like, I mean, quite literally like food is fuel, like it is energy, but I don't know. There's just something about that because they, cause I think that Kirk is just like, all right, everybody like eat up, you know, get your energy to do your work and, and things of that nature. And I just thought it was an interesting thing. You know, food is such a huge part of Asian culture and I'm, lumping all of asia into this because i think it's sort of a it's true with everyone like food is used as a way of caretaking it's it's used as a way of business dealing i mean you greet each other not by saying hello how are you by saying have you eaten yet in in chinese culture at least Mm -hmm. so like i actually really appreciate that they incorporate food in so much of their interactions yeah which brings me to my 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 the note i made which is that um when they when mon first sits down like and everyone's like getting ready to eat like she's the first to pick up her chopsticks and try to eat something Mm, i did notice that yeah which i thought was so bizarre like i mean i don't know if this is sort of a callback to the fact that she's half thai half british Mm -hmm. because you would never do that yeah right like the head of the table eats first and then everyone else follows 
So I thought it was, I didn't know how you, what your thoughts were Ooh. about that. Oh, oh, I clocked that because immediately what I thought about was, so um, I think everyone knows here, my wife is Chinese. Um, so like I very much immediately thought about this uh, interaction where I was having dinner with my in-laws and I was very anxious and we had ordered wine and I was like, I want to start drinking already because I am so fucking anxious. And so I went to drink my wine almost immediately after it was poured without considering anyone else. And I felt the looks on me because – and I was like, oh, shit. Like, was I not supposed to drink first? And I realized, like, how potentially – like, it was just kind of rude. Like, I should have been deferential to my father-in-law who was older, who was paying, who, you know, had ordered it. Like, all of those things. So for me, when I saw Mon do that, I was like <gasps> – I was like, how could you go for the food first? Be respectful. Because I have learned. I have learned. <laughs> <laughs> so then they do. They start to go ahead and eat. And Kirk puts food on Sam's plate. And she does not give a shit at all that he's, like, taking care of her. Yeah, but do you know who does give a shit? Mon. Because Mon definitely takes notice. Yeah, She's she like, does. who's this bitch? <laughs> who, who are you? Why don't I know about you? What is your relationship with each other? I'm sorry, do you know that she is my idol? <laughs> right. Do you know that I worked 13, for 13 years to come back to her? Who are you? Who the you? fuck are you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I knew her longer. <laughs> <laughs> so then Mon is attempting to go ahead and grab some food while I guess Sam is attempting to get food as well. And so their chopsticks clash, which prompts Sam to attempt to make a joke. I can't remember why. Oh, because they say when chopsticks clash, you're going to get visitors, right? Is that it? Visitor. Yeah. 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 And the word for visitor sounds the same as the word for um, someone of Southeast Asian or Middle Eastern descent. So she's like making the joke that like because we're in a Japanese restaurant, we're probably not going to get visitors slash the people from the other regions. Mm -hmm. But nobody gets it. <laughs> no. Everyone's just like, oh. And then once they realize it's a joke, they do that whole like, ha ha, ha ha ha, kind of like laughter thing. And then Sam is just like, it's not that funny. <laughs> so this this little interaction for me, um, I took it as like Kunsam's already sort of, you know, they Kunsam and Mon had that interaction in the bathroom where Kunsam's sort of trying to distract herself, I guess, from paying attention to Mon and. I just feel like she would never have made this joke in a company setting, mm -hmm. knowing what her employees think of her, if not for the fact that Mon was there and they knocked chopsticks together and it knocked Kunsam like off her game. And she's like, oh, uh, let me tell a joke. Oh, interesting. I like, oh, I don't know what I think about it other than like, I kind of was like, did Sam like intentionally go for food when Mon went for food? Because like there's this like pull and desire for like interaction and like how do you have interaction, you know? So I thought it was a little bit more intentional about their like uh, chopsticks clashing. And then like the making of the joke, I don't really know what I thought, but I definitely don't think she would have made it had Mon not been there. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely feel like Mon's presence already has quite the impact on her. Yeah, yeah. And then... Which is crazy. Well, I was like, and talking about impact, then Sam goes so far as to fucking take food and put it on Mon's plate. And when I tell you, I fucking lost it in this moment where I was like, bitch, your fiance's right there. <laughs> right. Like, 
I don't think you understand. Like that's an intimate act. Like not it, it, intimate. Maybe is not the right word for it, but it's like a very familiar act. Yeah, like, well, no, it is intimate not... in the sense, like in the real meaning of the sense. <laughs> in the real sense of the meaning, intimate, but not necessarily like romantic intimate. Yes, like you really you need to be comfortable with that person or friendly with that person. Like you don't just like. As a as a boss to their employee, like you would never do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I like I for real like pause just like <laughs> I was like, well, what what <laughs> we doing, Miss Kunsan? Like, what's happening here? And you can kind of see Kirk notices too. Oh yeah, he does. And like and oh, and Mon has like a big reaction where she's like, oh no, like you don't have to do that. And Sam's like, it's so that you'll have energy to work for me. And Right. I laughed out loud at that part. Like, it's for work purposes. You know, I can write this off. <laughs> oh, please. The way that Kunzam uses work as an excuse for everything. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious because she tries to do that. And then the very next sentence is, will you eat it or should I feed you? I know. And I'm like, Kunzam, what are you doing? Did you notice Noi just be like, Oh, like trying to show her how to like eat her food. Right. Like, just eat the freaking salmon. Like, can we? <laughs> yeah. So, so Mon is like, she's like, no, no, I got it. And so she eats her salmon. And like, that was just fucking hilarious. Kunsam had to take a phone call. And so once she left, everybody sort of breathed out a sigh of relief. And Kirk ordered more drinks for everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, and then everybody got drunk. Mon is sad when she finds out that Sam is engaged to Kirk and like Noi, who's got this little crush on Kirk, is like, huh, woe is me. Mon is playing it off as though she's sad that she didn't know that Kunsam has a fiance. But I think deep down she's probably upset that, you know, Kunsam might have eyes on somebody who isn't some random girl that she met 13 years ago <laughs> denial is so powerful like the way we can like <laughs> convince ourselves like oh it's just because i didn't know it wasn't because i was like wishing yeah. it was me i'm such a good big fan like how did i miss <laughs> this little factoid about her yeah so they end up going outside getting ready to leave and they're just like drunkenly talking and we learn that the reason for this rule about you can't date people at work is connected to like some fight Kirk and Sam had uh in the past and um you know they're just talking about how like the rule like isn't fair and then proceeds into like them essentially like making fun of how Sam like doesn't show any facial expressions and so like they can never really tell like what her emotional state truly is and you can kind of see that like Mon doesn't fully agree with that like she questions them she's like i thought you you didn't like her because she was grumpy but you really don't like her because she doesn't express her emotions freely like you can tell that mom's kind of like that's not a reason mm -hmm. you know yeah so as they you know kind of continue talking about her lack of um emotional expression um mon ends up sharing that like that's not the kunsam she knows um she knows her to be all of these qualities which i think kind of like shocks them because like they definitely have no experience with with those pleasant attributes she has 
Yeah. Mon says that she knows that Kunsam is a woman who brightens the world with her smile, who's kind and gentle, and she loves dogs. And everyone's like, what in, what are, you really are drunk. Like, what are you even saying? You know? <laughs> They're like, oh, damn, Mon's <laughs> drunkest, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently she's wasted. And for me, I'm like, okay, you need to put away your big heart feelings and big heart eyes. Mm -hmm. Like, you're being so <laughs> obvious right now. <laughs> oh, God. She is. But it's fine. They're so fucking wasted. And they, they're finally deciding to go home. But of course, like, they all live in one direction. And Mon lives in the opposite. So she's going off on her own daydreaming about her beloved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, she's, you know, she's flashing back to that head pat, that, that smile, that meaningful moment that really, like carve the path for her adulthood um and then versus present day when they had that encounter in the office where kunsam threatened to cut mon's hair mm -hmm. and she's just kind of like how how are these two kunsams so different yeah she's trying to reconcile the kunsam of her past and the kunsam she's just met and while she is so lost in her own thoughts, she is attempting to cross the street and not paying attention to traffic. And there is a, I thought it was interesting, it was a white car, which was very similar to the vehicle that almost mm -hmm. ran her over as a child. And lo and behold, here comes her savior, Kunsam, who pulls her out of harm's way and into her arms, essentially. Kunsam is so smooth, right? <laughs> like, a little mo, like, how... How? How? <laughs> I don't know. It's just gay talent. <laughs> I mean, it was so good. She perfectly grabbed it, like twirled Mon around into her arms. Like, just, ugh, I can't. Yeah. And of course, there's like, you know, Mon's like hands are like at her chest again. There's the intense eye contact and cue the music because that is what a cliffhanger they are leaving us at. <laughs> I, I will say Mon looks so, like, Mon, when she's staring at Kunsam or into her eyes, looks so beautiful. Like, the look on her face is, like, adoration, a little bit of trepidation. Like, she looks just, I don't know if I would say she looks in love. She looks, like, just in awe. Okay, I would have used the word and enamored. I've Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I think she looks just, just looks so beautiful. Yeah. I, I thought it was a lovely moment, and it definitely left me being like, oh, "What's gonna happen in the next episode?" Because this was already more than I was expecting for a first episode. Yeah. I mean, I, I really have very low expectations coming into this, and so, <laughs> um, I mean, to be honest, like I, when these like sort of accidental close encounters happened i didn't take it too seriously mm -hmm. but like we get what three of them in episode one yeah there's a lot that happens like, it yeah so i mean it definitely seems like this is only the beginning mm -hmm. and that there will be more and more yeah oh so this is a wonderful way to end episode one it made me really excited to go into episode two and um, I just want to say, so Havoc, this is your first time recording an episode. How are you feeling, friend? Uh, 
I feel okay. I think I feel like once we started talking, um, I got more comfortable mm-hmm. with it because we were just sort of talking to each other, yeah. um, casually. Uh, I'll have to see how I feel about it after <laughs> I, you know you finish and we, I listen to it. Well, I'm really glad that you agreed to do this with me, um, because I think that you will add a lot of insight to this, um, and I enjoy talking to you about the show a lot of my feelings about this show, I, I feel a little defensive, like, like protective of it is I think that there's a lot of depth to this and I'm really excited to continue talking about each and every episode and, and kind of exploring the depth that it has that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. What I want is for everybody to just give it a chance. Like I I think I've heard on more than one account, people trying to watch episode one and finding it um, too cheesy, maybe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But you have to come into it like it is a little soapy. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that the story isn't good. That doesn't mean that after they make their introductions that we don't get down into the real, like, deep stuff. Yeah, the heart. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, for me, um, I really want everybody to just give it a chance. Watch it through. Because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I would agree. Um, If you had told me my emotional state at the end of the series from where I started never would have believed you. Um, But I've been very, very happy. And I got to say, my timeline doesn't really steer me wrong very often. So I'm glad that this was put out there enough and well in advance that I hopped on this pretty quickly. And so I look forward to us uh, covering the rest of the episodes. And thank you for being here with us. Hope you enjoyed it. To keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Twitter at this lesbian shit on Instagram at this lesbian ship and on Patreon at this lesbian ship rate review subscribe. And also don't forget that if you haven't already watched this, you can go ahead and watch the entire series on YouTube. The um, user is idle factory. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. This lesbian ship is intense is a part of the frolic podcast network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.